I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gitty. What the fuck, (laughs) nitty gitty? (laughs) Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Batman. Or, more specifically, how his creation isn't that cut and dry. Created in March of 1939, Batman is an international pop culture icon. With multiple movie franchises, mountains of comic books, and landfills filled with merchandise, he's a character nearly every human on Earth recognizes. That being said, the story behind his creation isn't quite as simple as you'd think. named Bill, a boy named Bob. Milton Finger, professionally known as Bill Finger, was born on February 8, 1914. He was born in Denver, Colorado to a Jewish family. His father, Louis Finger, was born in Austria in 1890, and his mother, Tessie, was born in 1893 in New York. Finger had two sisters, Emily and Gilda. The Finger family lived in the Bronx, where Louis worked as a tailor running a small shop. Bill graduated from DeWitt Clinton High School in 1933, alongside many future comic book professionals, a small selection of which includes Stan Lee, Will Eisner, and, you guessed it, Bob Kane. Bobby Kane. Citizen Kane. Dude, they need to make a biopic about Bob Kane and call it Citizen Kane. I would watch that. DeWitt Clinton was kind of like the skull and bone society of future comic book movers and shakers, except without any of the hazing rituals involving putting your dick into a real human skull. Probably. Bill Finger met his future Batman collaborator at a party where they bonded over common interests like comics, pulp novels, and adventure films. Wait a minute, Dave. You you have to explain to a probably not insignificant number of the listeners that what you just said, that reference you just made. Which which reference? There is a secret society called the Skull and Bones Society People don't know this? I think there's probably a bunch of people who are just like, what did you just say? Oh, all right. Well, okay. So there's a secret society called the Skull and Bone Society, which I believe is at Harvard. And they are a like a fraternity that every major American world leader has been a part of for the last 100 years, basically. And their hazing ritual, you're officially one of the club rite of passage, is that they have a real human skull. And you put your genitals inside the eye socket of the skull. It's a real thing. I'm, I'm not making it up. You also, that you get into a coffin and like jerk off while everyone's outside. Yep. There's a movie about it. It's not like a, it's not a real historical movie. It's like a fictional thriller starring that guy from Dawson's Creek. I think it's called, I think it's called Skull and Bones. Josh Jackson? Yes. I've never seen that movie. I thought you were going to say like, you need to explain what pulp novels are. And I was like, really? People don't know what that is? No, I, f- I was like, I, I feel like there there is like a percentage of listeners who's going to hear you saying it's like the skull and bones, except for they don't have to stick their dick in a human skull. And they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. and then you just gloss over it. I think that's funnier than explaining it. It's just like <laughs> losing a large percent of the audience who's just like dicks in skulls. What? 
Bill was living the simple life at the time. After graduating, he was working as a part-time shoe salesman when he agreed to come help Bob Kane work on some concepts for the newly burgeoning medium of the comic books. Pixie box books. He'd been writing in his free time, and Bob Kane had been working somewhat steadily in the newly blossoming field. The state of the comic book industry at the time was in something of upheaval. Superheroes had become all the rage in 1939 with the creation of Superman. National Publications, which would later rename itself DC Comics, wanted more, in air quotes, caped characters. So they approached freelancers in order to come up with ideas for other characters. That's where Robert, Bob Kane, Khan really enters the picture in a big way. Bill Finger got to work in Bob Kane's studio. As a ghost writer, Bill began writing scripts for Bob to take credit with other artists to draw for. Look into my eyes and steal my writing. <laughs> Bob Kane was ostensibly a middleman who would just put his name on everything he got published. He didn't actually write or draw anything that he's credited on, specifically and especially Batman. Look at it this way. This is what the original Batman comics looked like. Andrew, do you want to describe this for us? Yeah. Number one, we've got Batman with a hyphen between bat and man, which that's not something we're used to. Batman has become known as one word. And as a matter of fact, pretty much the only superhero that hyphenates like that is Spider-Man in the modern vernacular. And it's like any 1940s comic you've seen. It's got that particular style to it. It seems it's just some guys sitting around talking, calling people on the phones. I haven't read this. So I don't know what the context of any of this is. But at the top, it, where the title is, where it says, okay, that's Gordon. At the top where, you know, it says the Batman. Number one, it says the Batman, which is another thing that we don't call him anymore. We call him Batman. But there's the title, and then there is a an illustration of Batman standing on a roof. He's in silhouette, and he's a little different than our modern idea of Batman. His cape, it looks more, it looks less like a flowing cape that he's wearing, and it looks like one of those kind of like Leonardo da Vinci like wing contraptions. And his cowl, which we can't actually see him, it's just in silhouette, but his cowl, the shape of it is noticeably different than the modern idea of Batman. Um, like, no matter what version of Batman in the hundreds of different incarnations of him, he generally looks, he has these defining characteristics that can vary slightly, but for the most part, when you see Batman, you know that it's Batman, you recognize these characteristics for this version of Batman, instead of his the ears of his cowl kind of being at the top, they're on the side sticking out almost like antenna rather than bat ears. And he's got like a really rounded top of the head that just is very different than how we think of Batman. The strip is credited to Robert Kane, but it's R-E-B apostrophe T-K-N-E. Yeah, Robert Kane. And it's the Batman in the case of the chemical syndicate. The main caption is the Batman, a mysterious and adventurous figure fighting for righteousness and apprehending the wrongdoer in his lone battle against the evil forces of society. His identity remains unknown. The home of Commissioner Gordon, who at the moment is entertaining his young socialite friend, Bruce Wayne. Commissioner, anything exciting happening these days? No. Oh, except this fellow they call the Batman puzzles me. Ring, ring. Hello? What's that? Lambert, the Chemical King, stabbed to death? His son's fingerprints on the knife? I'll be right over. Talk about something exciting. Oh, Lambert has been murdered at his mansion. I'm going there now. Like to come along? Oh, well, nothing else to do. Might as well. The Commissioner and Bruce speed toward 
the Lambert residence. Hello, Sergeant. Everything under control? Yes, sir. We've got young Lambert in the back room. And after the thorough examination of the scene of the crime, the room becomes busy with the usual police routine. I'm finishing here. Let me talk to young Lambert. Hello, Lambert. They say you killed your father. I didn't do it, Commissioner. Believe me, I didn't do it. And that's the first page of this The Batman comic, which we've just read. So Bob Kane didn't draw this. He didn't write this. Bill Finger wrote this. There were a bunch of assistants that Bob Kane used during this time period. And as we're going to explore, Bob Kane, real not cool guy, real piece of doo. Can you just, can you imagine this? Things like this still happen in shades nowadays. Like I think one one of the biggest examples of how things like this happen now is like, that there are these like media companies like BuzzFeed or any of these media companies upworthy or whatever. They're better about it now where they do their articles are credited in, in, in the way that a news article would be with a byline that says who wrote it. But for the longest time, it would be like you'd work at like BuzzFeed or whatever, and you'd write this listicle and it would just it wouldn't have your name on it. It would just be like this company made this and you have no ownership over it and you have no claim to it. And that's still the case now. At least you can get your name on something. You write something for these companies and it's just owned by the company. But I still, I think there's a lot of problems with that, but it's at least not as egregious as this. Can you imagine something like this happening where it's just like some guy just says he made something that he didn't make and that that would just somehow be allowed to happen and those people wouldn't speak up and be like, this guy's fucking lying. I made this. Yeah, I feel like stuff like this happens all the time. Maybe not to the degree that maybe not to the degree that because Batman was so long ago. So it had it has this long history and it's had time to become such a massive success. But yeah, people get fucked over all the time. It, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. I, and it's so funny, too, because it's so glaringly. Like it, it, Stan Lee at least created a permission structure to where he was good at being like, this is like a gray area. This guy did this stuff and I'm giving him credit for that. And this person did that stuff. And I'm just like writing the dialogue and like, I'm honest, but I'm still a vital co-creator, blah, blah, blah. Plausible deniability. Yeah. Whereas Bob Kane. (laughs) Okay. So like this drawing Look, let's talk about this drawing underneath it. So basically, this drawing is from, you know, the 1940s. It's an early Batman comic strip. And then there's a, another drawing that we're going to look at. In the 1989 Batman feature film, Bob Kane has, in air quotes, an artistic cameo where there is a drawing that is credited as a Bob Kane drawing. And it's supposed to be like a police sketch artist drawing what people are describing Batman as. And it is a cutesy, big-headed bat wearing, anthropomorphized bat, wearing a suit that has bat wings on it. There's a big square Bob Kane signature in the bottom corner. And it says, have you seen this man at the top? And it's very prominently featured in a shot in the 89 Batman movie. Yeah, which is obviously the joke of it is that the thing he draws is not anything like what Batman looks like. It's like a weird joke version of it, which is like a bat guy wearing a suit. But aside from that, it does like it, it's not a bad drawing. No, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool drawing. The issue being Bob Kane didn't make that drawing. Look at the style. Look at the way that Bob look at that. The anatomy of that. Look at the cross hatching of that. The way blacks are spotted. That drawing did not come from the same hand 
that made the Batman page right above it. Yeah. Yeah, it's obvious. It's not. Yeah, that's something you wouldn't. Uh, most people wouldn't notice. But if you really thought about it, it's completely different. The story goes, Bob, after visiting a museum, had an idea to create a character that would utilize Da Vinci's flying man as the underskeleton for a superhero. He thought the flying contraption Da Vinci had theorized looked something like a bat and came up with the name Batman. So when DC approached him for a new character, he broached the subject with Bill Finger to see if he could shape the character into a superhero or if Bill Finger could take the name and make something else from scratch that Bob Kane would then completely and utterly take credit for. Sounds sounds a little familiar. If you want to go back and check out episode 24, who actually created Spider-Man? Only problem being all of Bob Kane's ideas just fucking sucked. He wanted Batman to be a blonde superhero wearing red spandex and having a flying machine. That's about all he had. Andrew, this is Bob Kane's original drawing. Can you describe what this is? This looks like Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles' beta-cucked cousin. <laughs> this looks this looks like this drawing looks like the first draft you turn in in one of your foundation art classes and your teacher just says, "Nah, do it again." Yeah, this looks like uh this looks like the early draft of what of what Mark Mothersbaugh thought the Devo should look like. This drawing looks like an early bootleg Italian superhero. Those like weird, like they only had one image of somebody and then they made their own superhero kind of based off of it with the same name. But it's all, all the details are wrong and fucked up. This looks like shit. It looks like shit. Basically, it's a white blonde guy wearing a red spandex suit, black underoos, big yellow belt, and a large black winged flying apparatus and a black domino mask. It's not an awful drawing. Like, I don't even know if he drew this. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. It's a good question. But it's it's not an awful drawing. It's not to, uh, like we're not sitting here saying like, oh, if you saw this, it looks like a fucking five-year-old druid or something like that. It's just the character design of it is not interesting. And if this was what Batman was, then he would not have endured in the American consciousness whatsoever. Bill took this idea and ran with it in a completely other direction. Bill suggested that they make him more of a spirit of vengeance character modeled on pulp characters like Zorro, the Phantom, and the Shadow. A creature of the night with a dual identity, just like all the previously mentioned characters. Bill Finger was the one who came up with the idea of Gotham City, based off of his looking in the phone book and seeing Gotham jewelers. Want to guess who came up with the Batmobile, the actual look of the Batman costume, Robin, the Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and Commissioner Gordon? Yeah, that's Bill Finger. Oh yeah, Dave? Who came up with the Bat card? <laughs> That's my fucking question. Joel Schumacher. God bless the king. R.I.P. King. Bill was the person that said Batman should be clothed in dark grays and blacks and that he should have a cape and a cowl and that he should have a bat logo on his chest. Bill came up with Batman, except he didn't because Bob Kane came up with the name and he had been approached by DC. And here's the kicker. Bob Kane's father was a lawyer 
and in the early days of comic books where all of the work that was created by young, poor Jewish kids who didn't have access to legal representation, this was an anomaly. So, you want to guess what happened? Yeah, the guy whose daddy was a lawyer got a better deal than the dude who was already working as a ghostwriter whose father was a tailor and an immigrant. To put it bluntly, Bob Kane was a piss-poor excuse of a man. He was a habitual liar, actively worked to undermine Bill for the rest of his life, and was just a shallow, womanizing, complete turd of a bottom feeder. Obviously, we know where the story goes from here. Batman becomes a massive success, and because of the specific clause that Bob Kane's father put in the initial contract, which stipulated that Bob Kane could be the only person credited for creating Batman, Bill Finger was never given any sort of credit for his work. The exact terms of Bob Kane's Batman deal are still unknown. However, they were altered at least once. Siegel and Schuster, the writer and artist behind the creation of Superman, were putting together a lawsuit against DC Comics for the rights to Superman in the 1950s, claiming that they had been swindled. They approached Bob Kane and attempted to get him on their side for a class action lawsuit. For anybody who doesn't know, it's a horrible fucked up story, and they got fucked over so hard because National Publications was run by the mob. Bob expressed interest, but inquired as to their legal strategy. They informed him, and then he promptly went to DC and snitched. God damn it. Fucking narc. He said he wanted to renegotiate his deal for Batman. He wanted an increased ownership stake or he'd join the lawsuit. If they agreed to his terms, then he'd tell DC Siegel and Schuster's legal strategy. This only served to make things even worse for Bill Finger. So before we move on, we're gonna now watch a little video from a series called Comic Book Greats, which was a direct-to-VHS series of informational tapes hosted by the one and only Stan the Man Lee. And this episode features Robert Kahn. Hello, heroes. This is Stan Lee, and I've got a rare treat for you today. Not only is he a good friend of mine, but he's one of the top names and one of the top talents in the comic book business. So without any further ado, my buddy Bob Kane. Is it, though? He hasn't put out a book since, like, the 40s. Also, you can tell that they're just not friends at all. Just the body, the chemistry is just, you can tell. may not know what you do. What is it that you're known for? you got to be kidding. I am, of course. Well, uh, originally I created Courageous Cat. <laughs> that was that animated. What if, <laughs> what if just in this moment he just can't do it anymore and he just breaks down and he's like, what is it you're known for? And he's like, you got to be kidding. And he's like, nothing. I'm a fraud. And he just starts crying. And he's just like, I've never done anything significant in my life. Everything I've ever been known for is stolen. And he just pulls out a gun and shoots himself. My name is Robert Kahn. And I'm a lawyer. This ascot was paid for by the blood, sweat, and tears of artists that I screwed over. I'm a horrible excuse for a man. And the Stanley's like, man. Glad I'm not that guy. Yeah, an animated did, right? cartoon. But I think when I was 18, I tripped across a character called Batman. Bat? How do you pronounce B-A- it? Bat? B-A-T-Man. It was called Batman by Robert Kane. Aha. Uh-huh. In yeah, 1939, when I was three years old, Stan, that's when I created the Batman. I'm now 42 on my good days. 
Anyway, Batman is my claim to infamy. Yeah, I always thought it was the cat, and Batman sort of came along accidentally. But okay, we'll talk. How about if we talk about Batman instead of the cat? Would okay, you like well, to do Batman that? was first. Cat, cat came later. That's that the cat, cat came after the Batman. Absolutely right. Now you seem to be fingering a book here, which I have a feeling if I twisted your arm, you might be willing to talk about a little bit. Well, right? is this a commercial for me, Stan? Before we talk about it. Okay. Before we talk about okay. it. Okay. Let me just ask you this: <laughs> How did you get into comics? Have well, you always wanted to be a comic book artist? Actually, writer? no. <laughs> I wanted to be a salesman. No, I, I wanted to be a truck driver. No, actually, when I was a kid, I was a doodler. Uh -huh. I lived in the Bronx in New York. I was a poor kid, very poor. And in fact, we were so poor, I used to wear my sister's hand-me-down dresses. No, we were poor, and a tough neighborhood, too, I lived in. Must have made quite an impact with the dresses. <laughs> well, yeah, in those days, you know, it was a little... Uh, at any rate, Stan, it was a short run from the subway to my home. It was a tough neighborhood. Uh -huh. Thank you, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, I was always doodling on the sidewalks in New York and my school books. I loved cartoons my whole life. My dad was a printer for the Daily News, and he used to bring home the Sunday uh, comics to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. The Daily News Sunday comics? Absolutely. He was yeah. a printer. And Dick I'd have Tracy the... and Orphan Annie Absolutely. and all of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Mutton Chef, Popeye. Right, right. And I used to copy him almost Popeye as... Popeye was in the Journal American, I think. I uh, was yeah. in those days, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So my dad brought home these the comics to me, and I used to copy them, and they looked as good as the originals. Uh -huh. My dad brought it downtown to all the famous cartoonists. And they said, hey, your son might have a future as a cartoonist. Really? Absolutely. Is that? The doodler wow. from the Bronx, who became a famous cartoonist and a, a, a legend in his own mind <laughs> along the way. But really, that's how it all started. I was always doodling, and I loved comics. And uh, did you Were you working in comic books before you created Batman? Or is that, was yeah. that your entry into comics? No. Actually, in 1936, when I was about 14 years old or 15, I worked for Iger and Eisner, who had a comic book called Wow Comics. Mm -hmm. Wow Comics was one of the early comic books that printed original comic art, okay? Yeah. So I did some fill-ins for them, funny stuff, just laughs for $5 a page. The reason I didn't stay with them was I wanted $10 a page, and they wouldn't give it to me. Now, in 1936, believe it or not, $10 was a lot of money. I know. I know. So they said, no, uh, we, we passed. So I went over to DC Comics. Uh, unfortunately for them, should have given me Will Eisner that ten dollar, that five dollar <laughs> raise. You know, you lost out on a big thing, the Batman. And I went to D.C. doing fill-in comics, and then Whitney Ellsworth was an editor. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, the plot thickens. And he said to me one day, I said to him rather, how much are Superman, Joe Schuster, and Jerry Siegel making on the Superman comics? Uh, he said seventy-five thousand a year apiece. I was making 5000 a year for doing little fillings. He said, listen, Bob, could you do another super du superhero? I said, for that kind of money, you'll have it on Monday. This for that kind of money, you'd be the superhero. Well, you better believe it. I'd steal it somewhere. <laughs> and I went home, and lo and behold, I thought about all my childhood heroes when I was a kid in my world of fantasy. I love that he can't even bring himself to say, I created Batman. He says, I tripped over a character called Batman. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how they there's like little things that are obviously supposed to be like jokes. It's like, oh, I just created a little thing called Batman, you know, as a joke. But it's also clearly this like Freudian subconscious covering up for something with a joke. Yeah, Stan does it, too, all the time. He always says, I've told this story so many times it just might be true. Yeah, it's really interesting to see somebody like 
making a joke about that, but it's true. And they're using it to, they're using it to like white out like a, an aspect of something that they just can't bring themselves to psychologically confront. It's funny because you can just feel the bullshit. They're both completely insincering each other. This is a vortex of bullshit. This is a black hole of bullshit. Like it's like such a vortex of bullshit that they're like, they're transporting us to a different reality where all of this is true. <laughs> Also, I just have to point out my favorite thing about Bob Kane is his love for ascots. And this video does not disappoint. He is wearing an ascot in this video. And I love that he's wearing an ascot because you got to hide those that that weird flabby old man chin goiter somehow. You got to hide the little like weird vestigial face that's formed in his chest that's constantly screaming. I'm lying about everything. Kill me. I'm a manifestation of his lies. Every day is pain. Every time he cashes a paycheck for Batman, it feels like I'm being thrown and cast into the sun. Act two, things go from weird to weirder. Bill ended up leaving comics mostly. He worked on some other books like Green Lantern and Legion of Superheroes before moving to work in film. He wrote movies like The Green Slime and The Snow Devils, which came out in the 1950s and 60s. He also wrote two episodes of the Batman 1966 TV show, A Cruel Twist of Fate. He was good enough to write on the TV show Batman, but not good enough to receive credit for creating the character. Bill Finger passed away on January 18th, 1974, alone in his apartment in New York. Bob, however, reaped the benefits of pretending to be the man who created Batman for years. From appearing in the 1989 Batman film to Legends of Comic Book Art, which we just watched, he made the rounds pretending like he could draw and hamming it up for anyone who would listen. To add insult to injury, he was anything but passive about how he was the only person who worked on Batman, saying in a fanzine, The myth. Bob Kane is not the sole creator of Batman. I've heard it a thousand times in my lifetime that Batman was really created by Bill Finger, Jerry Robinson, Carmine Infantino, Jack Schiff, Julie Schwartz, my publisher, etc., etc., and my housekeeper. The truth. All hogwash. I, Bob Kane, am the sole creator of Batman. I created Batman in 1939, and it appeared, if memory serves me correctly, in Detective Comics as a six- or eight-page story, and I signed the first trip, Robert Kane. I read your article that you sent me, If the Truth Be Known, A Finger in Every Plot. And it seemed to me that Bill Finger has given out the impression that he and not myself created the Batman, as well as Robin and all the other leading villains and characters. This statement is fraudulent and entirely untrue. That is myth, and I quote an excerpt from the article written by Jerry G. Bales. The cowl and cape, the utility belt and gauntlet were all Bill's contribution. Also, further down in the article, and again I quote, Bill also created Robin, of course, but also Commissioner Gordon, who appeared in the first Batman story. Alfred, the Penguin, the Catwoman, etc., etc. I challenge Bill to repeat these statements in front of me. I am sorry that I was absent from the Comic Dumb's convention so that I could have answered him. The truth is that Bill Finger is taking credit for much more than he deserved, even before I called Bill in to help me write The Batman. I created the title, Masthead, the format and concept, as well as the Batman figure and costume. Robin, the boy wonder, was also my idea, not Bill's. 
Which is so funny because he's freely admitting that Bill wrote on Batman in the early stages and that he was there from the beginning. He should be given co-creator credit. Like, what the fuck? It, oh, God. It's so fucking dumb. Creation is execution. You can't copyright an idea, only the execution of an idea. So if Bob is saying... I had the idea! It doesn't matter. Was so doggedly haunted by Bill Finger's specter that he even tried to fake Batman's creation by pretending to find uncovered early drawings in his records when he released his autobiography. Do you buy the, these drawings right here? This is a scan from, he put out a, an autobiography in the 80s around the time that Batman 89 movie came out. And these were in, in that book. These are his notes and ideas that he supposedly came up with in 1939 or no this see this one he's it's dated january 17th 1934 so he would have been like fucking 13 years old when he had this these are really good drawings for a fucking 13 year old or whatever yeah i don't know i don't i'm i don't believe it i can't definitively say either way obviously i don't know but i don't i i have no there's no there's nothing here that definitively like oh yeah these are obviously fake but considering everything that's been said it seems pretty pretty clear that they're fake to me, knowing how things evolve over time, this these drawings are way too close to what Batman actually is. I would believe it if they were further away from the creation of Batman. You know what I mean? Like there's I guess, yeah, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to articulate, which is what you just said helped me figure it out, is like this drawing of Batman, it looks like somebody who's like trying to quickly doodle an existing character that they already have seen. If you were just like, I'm going to just quickly draw a little thing of what Batman looks like. It doesn't feel like a design for a new character. It feels like a quick thumbnail of an existing thing that you've already seen. Yeah, it really, it's just so blatantly him trying to be like, look, I got the receipts, look. Like even just in the stuff that we've done, where I've done concept sketches for stuff or the my comics. That shit's always fake. <laughs> no, I mean, everything, the, the process these things go from is like the concept designs and the ideas are o- always really complex. And then as you implement them and have to draw them hundreds and hundreds of times, they get simplified and simplified. Where these drawings are simple and Batman is more complex. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was originally like a five-headed elephant monster. It's very true. This is very true. And then I finally got simplified into Pizza Paparizza. (laughs) The next thing I want to briefly talk about as more of a character illustration is Bob Kane's gravestone. Have you seen his gravestone before? I have. Would you do us all of the favor of reading Bob Kane's gravestone and describing what it looks like? So Bob Kane's gravestone is a an open book it's a stone that has been carved to look like an open book at the top of the left side is the bat signal it's like the batman logo with these stylistic lines coming out of it that makes it seem like it's the bat signal like beaming the bat signal out into the sky and it says robert Kahn, aka bob kane october 24th 1915 through november 3rd 1998 god bestowed a dream upon bob kane blessed with divine inspiration and a rich imagination bob created a legacy known as batman <laughs> what bullshit I want my gravestone to say Papa Pricey, a.k.a. Pizza Pizza Paparizza, a.k.a. Andrew Price, a.k.a. David Price, 
February 23rd, 1988 through October 14th, 3040. Because many, many people don't know this, but we're about to solve the life extension. It's, we're, we're getting, we're going to get to a utopian point where you have to choose when you are done with life, basically. And it's going to say, God bestowed a dream upon Pizza Pizza Paparizza. Blessed with divine inspiration and a rich imagination, Papa Pricey created the Pizza Pizza Paparizza Mimaritza Celebritza at the Mountains of August Madness final showdown. All right, keep reading this fucking thing because it gets so crazy. Introduced in a May 1939 comic book, Batman grew from a tiny acorn into an American icon, a, a, a quote unquote hand of God creation. Batman and his world personify the eternal struggle of good versus evil with God's law prevailing in the end. This is like, he's really overselling that there's like some kind of weird religious divine element to Batman. Bob Kane, Bruce Wayne, Batman, they are one and the same. <laughs> Bob infused this dual identity character with his own attributes, goodness, kindness, compassion, sensitivity, generosity, intelligence. Intent. <laughs> Just imagine, he's like, man. I am so kind, compassionate, sensitive, generous, intelligent. I have so much integrity, so much courage, so much purity of spirit. I got to put all of that into this character. Batman is known as the Dark Knight, but through his deeds, he walks in the light of a higher power, as did his creator, Bob Kane. Beloved husband, father, grandfather, in loving memory. This is like whenever... This is like whenever... ICP revealed the secrets of the Dark Carnival, and it just ended up being that they were Christians. Just, this is <laughs> such a like reverse. This is such a like retroactive acting like the this thing was in any way like some kind of religious thing. I just can't even get over this. Like I can't get over this. Like I just it's this is just otherworldly. It's otherworldly. A normal person does not commission their gravestone to say these things about themselves a normal person is not like when i die i want my gravestone to say that i created an american icon that was directly inspired by the divine light of christ you know what jack kirby's grave is like it's a fucking plaque that says jack kirby the dates of his life the date of his death and it says beloved father husband creator and it has a little crown on top of it I was, and it says, I was moitalized, which is what I've actually said in the past that I want to be on my gravestone is moitalized October 4th, 3020. I thought it was 3040. Over the years, people have taken up the quest to restore Bill's name to receiving widespread credit for his creation, but they've all failed. The legal precedent set was that there must be an heir to bring a claim. Only problem being, no one was aware of any children or grandchildren that Bill Finger had. Enter writer and obsessive Batman researcher Mark Nobleman. He found Bill's long-lost son, and after years of searching by just blindly calling anyone with the last name Finger, he also found his granddaughter, Athena Finger. My god, tru truly a nobleman. They brought a legal suit against DC, and after years of fighting, they won. They didn't do it for the money, they literally just wanted Bill's name on the books and the films. And now, it's there. Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger is on all major Batman releases. Gotham, Batman vs Superman, Justice League, it's all there. The good guys finally won. 
Mark actually went on to write a children's book, Bill the Boy Wonder, and even produce a documentary titled Batman and Bill, which is highly recommended. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Since being discovered and welcomed into the comic book community, Athena Finger regularly tours the convention circuit. She speaks on panels and answers fan questions. But the real part of this, that's beautiful, is that there's an outpouring of love and support for her from the comic book world that has enabled her to embrace her own artistic ambitions. She paints and sells her artwork at shows. She said multiple times this was something that she was constantly scared to produce because of a fear of rejection. However, now here she is, painting and making art. I like Athena Finger. I've met her a few times. I think she's really nice. Enough said. I think she's a really nice, I think she's a really nice person and I'm glad that she's embracing her artistic ambitions and I think it's really cool that the comic book world has been so welcoming to her. That's funny because I was going to say, I feel like maybe that fear of rejection was healthy. <laughs> Look, man, everybody's got to start somewhere. Everybody's got to start somewhere, you know? Sometimes you start by tracing photos of Hugh Jackman and painting them with fucking Crayola or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> It's not, it's, look, man, I, I like Athena Finger. I follow her on Instagram. She's a very positive, nice person. I don't necessarily think that her work is all that and the cat's pajamas, but I, I think it's cool that she's making it. It's got a weird kind of outsider art thing to it. I'm into it. I'm into her making it. The lady's been through enough, man. Like her whole life, everyone was just like, your dad didn't fucking create Batman, you fucking liar. And one day you go through years of that, of people telling you that and telling you that your, your dad wasn't anything. And then one day you finally get your retribution and then you can start just selling. You spill some Pepsi on a glass table and then sell it. I like Athena Finger. I'm glad she's making stuff. I think it's cool. Hey, you're trying to you're trying to act. You you started this like I was thinking this as soon as I said this. But then you started it. You were the one that was like, no comment. I think she's really nice. I'm being honest. You're just, you're bottling up your true emotions. No, I'm not. I'm just not trying to publicly put some like 50 year old woman who's just taking up painting as a hobby on blast. <laughs> I think Athena Finger rules, man. She's been very kind to me at multiple points. I've talked to her before. She's really cool. I follow her on Instagram. She's a very positive person. And I think that her drawings have gotten a lot better since she first started. And I think that is the mark of somebody who's pushing and trying to get better. And I, I respect that. And for me personally, I, I like to go to the local Color Me Mine in town and walk in and just be like, that fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I've definitely debated buying Athena finger paintings before, like full on. Athena, no finger paintings. The story has somewhat of a bittersweet legacy Bill Finger, his family doesn't share in the money from Batman, which sucks, but at least he gets credit, which is good. Uh, Bob Kane sucks. Batman is a globally recognized brand. It's a pretty crazy story. This is a story that we've talked about before, both on and off the podcast. This is something that obviously I care about a lot in terms of people getting screwed over with their work and not owning their work and having their legacies usurped. Andrew, what are, you, what are your kind of closing thoughts about this? I, th I think the colors are a little washed out and this weird kind of like abstract usage of shapes. <laughs> oh, not, not Athena Fingers paintings? That's not what you were asking me? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Bill Finger, 
uh, and his con- contributions to the global icon that is Batman and his lack of financial profit from it and lack of credit. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we have a really interesting social experiment that we've conducted unwittingly, not necessarily unwittingly. I knew that it was going to happen, but we didn't do it on purpose. But it's really interesting to see the results. We have a TikTok at Mystery Treehouse where we do these kind of like short form rapid fire explainers where, you know, in in three minutes, we tell a whole story. So it's like a hyper condensed version of a Deep Cuts episode without any of the conversation. Just like this is the story. We're going to get through it as quick as possible. And we've done an episode about about how Stanley largely stole credit for most of the creations that he thought of as having created and we've done an episode about this about bill finger having uh batman the credit for batman stolen from him by bob kane and it's interesting because we got like a just an ocean of hatred like just pure like death like wishing death upon us hatred for the Stanley episode, like it's like literal blasphemy to say those things. There are people who will send you death threats. They will say that they want you to fucking die in a car crash. They will make videos like cussing you out. There's just so much vitriol when we made this video, which I which is to be expected. And it's interesting because we did this Bill Finger, Bob Kane video, and we really didn't get as much. There was like there was probably like 80 percent less negativity not that it was like support or positivity the positivity or the agreement was less drowned out than by the negativity as it was in the stanley one like the stanley one was like there's five people who like know the truth and then there's a million mcu fanboys that are like literally saying they're gonna hunt you down and fucking cut your head off in the bill finger one there really wasn't a lot of that there was like there was mostly almost ambivalence most people being being like huh who knew or whatever and and it's interesting it's interesting that because of the propaganda campaign that stanley crafted around himself for his entire life and career largely with those cameos that he created this almost cult-like following around him of people who by design or maybe even not in by design maybe it was a total accident but people who just like really don't actually know anything about him or about comics at all they just know they just think of it's like you see the the marvel movies and you're like oh like that guy is in all the movies he must be the guy who created all of them almost like using that like you're hinting at something and you're letting people draw conclusions and using that to your advantage. Stanley's propaganda campaign was like largely successful. Like he he if nothing else, he was like a genius of fucking crafting a cult of personality around himself. Whereas it seemed like Bob Kane succeeded in stealing that credit for his lifetime but failed at like the overall cementing of a legacy in a way cuz like people don't really know who he is really. Well, he's also like, he's not a very charismatic person. Like his... He's not charismatic. People don't know who he is. He kind of ended up losing in the end where he, they, like he, Bill Finger did like posthumously after Bob Kane's death, he did get credited in the end. Like his campaign failed. And not to say that it's all good in the end. Bill Finger didn't, he died. He didn't get to see any of this or whatever. And he didn't get any money. It's definitely not a success story at all but it's also like bob kane failed in the end of his attempt at this land grab of a legacy which is a good thing but it's interesting how these two stories were put out there and 
you know, they're both the same. They're, they're, and yet one got such vitriol and the other one didn't really get that reaction because of that lack of talent in being this like charismatic charmer person. Yeah. I think it's also, it's a weird thing too, because there's like an unspoken third leg of the table, right? Where the Stanley and Jack Kirby conflict, it's like Stanley is the dominating cult of personality. He's in all these movies. The truth is that Jack Kirby did 90, 85% of the work. Stan was there to massage the dialogue, which in some cases was very important and in other cases, not so much. So on a good day, Stan is really influencing the creations on a bad day. He's just like a copy editor, grammar Nazi type. With the Batman situation, not only do you have Bob Kane taking credit for all of this stuff that he had nothing to do with, but you also have Bill Finger who's writing all of it. And it's this weird silent partner where he's not a good showboat, charismatic person either. And then you also have an army of ghost artists where all of these, it's a strange conversation because we should be having a conversation that's Batman was created by Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson or Bill Finger and Carmine Infantino or Bill Finger and insert all of these different people here. But a lot of those people aren't recognized broadly, let alone in comic circles, let alone in mainstream circles. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. I'm a pretty hardcore fan and I don't even know all of the names of the assistants because not all of them went on to bigger and better things. Some of them literally just were Bob Kane's assistants for a little while. And then that was all they did. And like Jerry Robinson is very vocal that he was the the co-creator of the Joker and he came up with the idea for the Joker and Bill Finger helped him flesh it out and they based it on this movie, The Man Who Laughs and the reason he got hired to draw Batman was because Bill Bob Kane was at a, a tennis resort and Jerry Robinson was a tennis boy there, like a ball boy. And he was wearing a jacket that he had painted a Joker card on the back of. And Bob Kane came up to him and was like, did you draw that Joker? That's cool. Do you like Batman? And took him under his wing and helped him like become a cartoonist, right? That he could take credit for all of his work because he was a kid that wasn't involved in the industry. But there's all these stories like this that we should be discussing and we're just not because there's no sort of cultural or academic kind of discourse surrounding comics other than Twitter, which is mostly like, can you believe this guy's Kickstarter failed? Fuck that guy. Or like, can you believe this guy touched somebody at a convention? Fuck that guy. Like very little of comics Twitter is actually about like comics history or in-depth analysis of the work. And it, it's just a bizarre thing. Like it's a really weird, it'd be like finding out that Stanley Kubrick didn't direct any of the movies. You know what I mean? Not that Bob Kane is that talented, but just that Batman occupies this huge space in our culture. There actually is this like conspiracy theory that I've heard that Doug Lyman has never directed any of his movies and that he just like his AD like actually directs it and he just takes credit for it, which I don't have any reason to believe that. But I've just read that weird conspiracy theory on the Internet. That's also such a strange person to be like, Doug Lyman. <laughs> like, really? That guy? Yeah, I don't know. I've just I've I read it. At, when I was reading some stuff about Edge of Tomorrow, there I just I fell into this weird rabbit hole of this conspiracy theory started seemingly by like one person in putting out these TikTok videos. I, I in particular have really just become an expert in the reaction and like the mass opinion about these things, because you just see thousands upon thousands of comments and you just see these consensuses 
forming and these repeated things. It's so funny how everybody is the same and everybody thinks the same and we all think that we're unique but we're all just the same it's so funny to me it's like the thing when you work at some kind of when you work at a retail store and everybody if you if there's no price tag on it it's free right yeah it's like so funny to me how everybody is the same and you see these people saying these things that are identical like just these identical comments these are and they're just they're not unique thoughts they're just like they're just like learned stereotypes that people have collected from like seeing it said elsewhere and they think that they have opinions but they're just parodying sentiments that they've seen like it's like the most mainstream sentiments that they see they just adopt them by default and one of the predominant things that I saw time and time again in these comments, whether it was for the Stan Lee video or the Bill Finger video, was there's a significant crossover with these like MCU head, like Marvel movie fanboys that don't actually read the comics that are like, there's a significant crossover with these like just br- like business bro type people. And there's this extremely cynical capitalist sentiment that surrounds this whole discussion where people are like, oh, Alan Moore, Jack Kirby, Bill Finger, like they just got bad deals. Like they, they should have gotten a better deal. They should have gotten a better, they should have, they should have gotten a lawyer. They should have gotten better deals. It's on them for not getting a better deal. It's, that's just how business works. And aside from the fact that's just, that's so absurd to me, this idea that that's just how it works and therefore it's fine. It's just so absurd to me that, you know, it's like because you can swindle people out of things legally, you therefore should, or at the very least, you can't be blamed if you do like that, like you, you legally you can be a dick to everybody around you but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should that's just such an absurd concept but the other thing about it is just like the extreme lack of context and knowledge and understanding of the fact that they just didn't have an option of that like they they couldn't quote unquote get a better deal there were ex- there was an extremely imbalanced power dynamic between this huge company and these poor dudes that had no leverage whatsoever. They couldn't afford to get lawyers. They could they had no leverage at all. They were railroaded into these deals and to suggest that they should have just gotten a better deal is just insane. Yeah, I think to s- my final thought will be this quick short story which I think I've told on the podcast before but I'm going to say it here anyway. I think a telling example of who Bob Kane was is this story that I've seen repeated multiple times and I'm going to say right now. So around the time that the 89 Batman movie came out, there were a lot of people courting Bob Kane to do stuff. And this was one of the time periods where the Marvel and DC beef was at an all-time high. So the editor-in-chief of Marvel went to Archie Goodwin, who is a much beloved editor, and was like, we should go get Bob Kane to do something at Marvel. Like, we should, like, that. what a big fuck you to DC. Like, we should get him, we should hire him to do something at Marvel. Archie Goodwin is like, all right, I'll see. Uh, let me go over and have a meeting. Let's see if I can fucking convince him to do something. We'll see. So he goes over to Bob Kane's house. They have dinner. They're wrapping up dinner. And Archie Goodwin's like, you know, Bob, I want to ask you, we're branching out at Marvel. We're doing this creator-owned line called Epic, and we think maybe you might want to do something for it. Do you have any interest in making comics? 
And Bob Kane was like, I'm actually doing stuff at DC right now. Like, my name is on the Batman books again right now. I have a ghost artist who's working for me. And we're putting out new Batman comics to coincide with the release of Batman 89. And Archie Goodwin goes, yeah, but Bob, you're an artist. Don't you ever miss, like, the act of creating and making stuff? Like, yeah, I know that you have all these ghost artists that you can get work out under their names. But don't you personally ever want to just make something for the sake of making it? Like, where's your artistic pride? And Bob Kane looks at him for a moment and then goes, come here. So they walk into Bob Kane's art studio. He turns to Archie Goodwin and goes, what I'm about to show you, you can't tell anyone. You're sworn to secrecy. And Archie Goodwin's like, okay. They go into the closet in the studio and he opens the back of the closet and it's a secret door and it leads them into another studio. And in that studio, it's a painting studio and there's large like six foot tall oil paintings of sad clowns, the type they're in like accountants offices and dentists offices. And he says, this is going to make me in the fine art world. Batman was just the beginning. And Archie Goodwin is looking around and it's sad clown paintings with big looping Bob Kane boxed signatures at the bottom. And he's like, oh, all right, cool, man. That sounds great. Goes back to Marvel. Flash forward a couple months later. Roy Thomas comes in, the editor-in-chief at Marvel at the time. I think he's editor-in-chief. Anyway, Roy Roy Thomas is the one who comes in. I don't remember if he was editor-in-chief or not at this time. Roy Thomas comes into Archie Goodwin's office and he's like, Hey, Archie, did you hear about Bob Kane? And Archie Goodwin's like, No, what's happening? He goes, Bob Kane is getting sued by his ghost artist. And... Archie Goodwin's like, his ghost artist on Batman? What? That guy knows the deal. Like, he knows the situation. He's not getting credit for any of that stuff, but he's suing for the rights to the Batman stuff or something? Not that ghost artist. The ghost artist for the clown paintings. (laughs) Lies within lies within lies that are all about this idea that Bob Kane is an artist when he isn't really one. It's the pursuit of an artistic ideal and a pursuit of an artistic identity that was so wrapped up in who Bob Kane was, but a complete lack of interest in the sacrifice or struggle that it takes to create work, which is just a fascinating character piece, but also so deeply fucked up and sad. Yeah, I don't know how you can sleep at night, like, doing that. Like, I'm not even, like, the morality of it aside, that's a given. It's like, it's fucked up to just do that like steal that's not stealing i'd be hired him as a ghost artist but to just be like to present yourself as a as an artist but you didn't actually create any of these things and also to steal work from somebody like bill finger to, to reasonable people that's a given but aside from that i'm not even talking about that but just the idea of living with yourself and sleeping at night like going out there and presenting yourself as somebody who creates and makes things and you don't actually i don't know how you could do it there's this um there's this uh recent shonen jump manga that i read because somebody recommended it to me and it sounded interesting it's called time paradox ghostwriter so the story is about a young fledgling mangaka who is he went to art school and he moved to the city from his small Japanese town 
and he was like the best artist in the town. Everybody was like, yeah, you're going to be you're going to be this big mangaka when you get older. He goes to the city and he tries to make it as a mangaka and he keeps writing. He keeps drawing these pitches for one shots and he has an editor at Shonen Jump. But every time he goes to pitch his one shot pitch, his editor rejects it and says it's not good enough. He's technically good at drawing, but his work just has no spark. It has nothing unique that makes it definitively his. And his work, he just emulates styles that he's seen, and there's nothing unique about it. And he's he has this massive anxiety and imposter syndrome of constantly being rejected and told that he has no real vision or like no spark behind his work. And then one night, lightning strikes his apartment and hits the microwave in his kitchen. And after that happens, issues of Shonen Jump from the future start appearing in his microwave. They're from three years in the future. And so he discovers these books and there's a story in it called The White Knight. In three years, it's going to be the biggest hit manga. It's the next Naruto. It's the next One Piece or Dragon Ball Z. This doesn't exist yet. No, Nobody has ever done this. So in desperation... After his editor says that he has one more chance or else he's dropping him, he copies the the first issue of this future manga as his one shot and he goes and pitches it and the they're just like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. And it gets in and then it goes to series and he becomes this huge popular mangaka with this series, The, the White Knight. But he's every month a new issue of Shonen Jump appears in his microwave from the future and he just copies the next issue. And then eventually it turns out that the creator, the original actual creator of the White Knight is this teenage girl who he assumes because it's so far in the future that the person who created it hasn't had the idea yet. But in reality, this teenage girl is working on it in the present And she just doesn't end up pitching it until years later, but she created the idea already. So when she sees it in the in Shonen Jump, she's like, what the fuck? Somebody had my exact idea. And so she goes and finds him and she becomes his assistant and he realizes that she's this person. And so the whole comic is like, number one, it's interesting because it shows you the behind the scenes process of how making a manga works. So there's sometimes where it'll just turn into an explainer where it'll just be like, when you want to pitch a manga to Shonen Jump, you create thumbnails and take them to an editor who looks at them. And if he likes them, he pitches them to the main editorial meeting and it'll just turn into an explainer. But the actual narrative of the show is like this guy who's dealing with imposter syndrome and like struggling with this, like he's finding success, but it's for work that he didn't create and the guilt of that. And the, it's for somebody, I'm not saying for everybody, but for me and, a, and like a particular type of person reading that is there's like a rock in my stomach the whole time like that i the idea of that the idea of that nightmare scenario where you like steal something and become popular for it and then everybody thinks that you made it everybody's like praising you but it's all just false because you didn't actually do the work aside from the moral aspect of stealing from somebody the idea of getting praised for something that you didn't do is like a nightmare for me. That's like the going realizing you're naked in the middle of class nightmare to me. And I just can't imagine how a person sleeps at night doing that. I think the answer to that is he sleeps very well because he's garbed in his nighttime ascot. That's the trick. You need you need the ascot. I'm Dave Baker 
And I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me on the internet at heydavebaker.com or you can follow me on the socials at xdavebakerx. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me putting out the latest episode of Andrew Price's Deep Cuts with with characters by Andrew Price, original stories by Andrew Price, and Dave Baker by Andrew Price. And you you can also find me at dapricewrites.com where you can get a copy of my book that I did with artist Guillermo Villarreal. I wrote the script and he drew the book. And I also did some of the design for the inside and outside. And uh, you can also get some Deep deep Cuts merchandise at deepcutspod.com. And you click on the shop and you can get some t-shirts with Deep Cuts designs on them. Or you can go to uh, just go to bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts merch, t-shirts, stickers, all that cool stuff. Junior sleuths, meme chefs, Deep Cuts listeners that increasingly don't understand what this segment is and likely skip over it. It's time for another edition, another quest in the journey of... Pizza, pizza, paparizza, mimorizza, salabrizza. Let the baking begin. All right, Dave. Let's take a look at these things. Let's get let's get let's get this shit. Let's get this oven preheated to 375 so that things get a a nice brown flaky texture, but we don't burn the bottom. I'm here. I'm ready. This first meme from Michael Lindquist and it is a uh, a picture, uh, a stock photo of the woods, and it says Mystery Treehouse Fairy Investigation Agency, and it's got a picture, it's got a, it's got a photo of Sherlock Holmes wearing the deer stalker. It's got a picture of Arthur Conan Doyle also with a deer stalker hat. It's got Dave and I, and we are in the woods with them, and we are wearing deer stalker caps. And then it's also got uh, the the teacher from Fairly Odd Parents, who I'm now blanking on his name but in the show he's obsessed with revealing the existence of the fairy godparents that uh timmy turner has and he's also wearing a a deer stalker cap and they're just in the woods hunting for fairies uh i'm gonna give this the blast special give the the blast the full blast orders up who had the blast special that's a number seven, baby. Seven out of ten pizzas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna give this myself. I'm gonna give this a, uh, I'm gonna give this a six point five. Um, this is another one from Michael Lindquist, and it is a uh, a photo of a, a parking lot in the middle of the night, and there's a little picture of of Dave, his head on a little little boy's body. Um, that's the weird way to say that. It's a little kid with Dave's head photoshopped onto it, and then there's a picture of Freddy Krueger. And he's got a, uh, a a cobra on a leash. And Dave is saying, cool, is that a trained snake? And then Freddy Krueger is saying, yes, young Dave, come closer so I can use my knife hand to slit your gooch and use the new hole as, I, I mean, yes, come pet the trained snake. Jesus, that's aggressive. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, that is aggressive. Oh, my God. Jesus. For the level of aggression that that is, I'm going to give that one and a half pizzas. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's. That is aggressive. That is aggressive. We all we all know from from the, the James Hydrick episode that Dave does not like aggressive things. 
Uh, I'm going to give this a four. Uh, this one's from uh, Mike <laughs> Millar himself. And it is... <laughs> it is a it is a, a a red carpet photo, although the carpet is pink in this one. Um, it's a red carpet photo of Hen- of Henry Cavill standing, looking at the camera, smiling, looking handsome and charismatic, wearing a suit, and then behind him, creeping up slowly behind him, is Jason Momoa about to pounce. And the text over to Henry Cavill says, Adrian Conan Doyle trying to manage and maintain the dignity of his father's legacy. And then uh, over Jason Momoa, it says that fucking door. <laughs> of course, referencing the video we watched in the first Arthur Conan Doyle video where Adrian Conan Doyle is showing the journalist around the uh, the little room where he's recreated uh, B two twenty one B Baker Street, um, and he, the door to the the room keeps swinging open, and he's like trying to shut it as he's talking, and he just keeps it keeps opening up, and it's like. It's distracting from the entire interview. Uh, I gotta go Fellini Jr. Eight. Eight? Oh, look, it's a Fellini Jr. Uh, I gotta, I gotta give this, I gotta give this a, a Fellini because this, it's a, it's, it's super, it's simple, it's short, it's sweet, it's uncomplicated. It's a, it's an, it's an artist who has entered. He, the period where he's comfortable with his medium and he no longer needs to, you know, he no longer, no longer feels the need to impress people. Um, it's just, it's just solid and effective and effortless. Um, and, and very funny. Oh yeah. And I remember I can't exit out of these cause we have to like decide who's the winner after, uh, uh, this is not a real meme. Uh, we got one from Bill Bixby's Oscar here. The, uh, you know, only the meme chef that I mercilessly crushed in the Pizza Pizza Paparizza Meme Maritza Celebritza special episode one. Um, You're just turning full heel. More like Andrew Price's bitch. <laughs> um, change, change that. Change your name on Facebook. Bill Bixby's Oscar. If that is your real name. <laughs> Describe the meme. <laughs> we got a photo here. It's a it's it's Arthur Conan Doyle, Scrooge McDuck in the flesh himself, and he's standing next to Harry Houdini, uh, Mister Abracadabra Five Head himself, and he's got uh, Arthur Conan Doyle is holding up a mi- uh, microphone, holding up a uh, stethoscope. What what is this instrument? Magnifying glass, and there's like these there's these three. Um, they're supposed to be like little fairies, but they're uh, they're like obviously stock photos from sexy Halloween costume uh, cup packages. And so it's like a sexy ghost and a sexy fairy. And they're just floating around Arthur Conan Doyle's head. And it says, um, big money, auth- big money author AC Doyle caught funding spirit sex club. Friends say it. Friends say it's bullshit. Wow. That that uh, uh, that's a. A strong, a strong showing of dissent from Dave against Bill Bixby's Oscar, the 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 usual favorite of the PPP MC. Clearly, his confidence has been shaken by his crushing defeat. Orders up. Who had the special? This one's from Aaron Dockery. This one I find hilarious. Uh, this is one of those memes that has gotten kind of old. There was a million different permutations of this, 
but it's still funny to me. So it's the it's the meme where the template where it's basically like a short exchange between Captain America and Tony Stark that immediately cuts to the Civil War title screen. And in the meme, it's usually like it's it's one frame of of, of Steve Rogers and then one frame of Tony Stark. And they say Steve Rogers says one thing to Tony Stark and then it just immediately smash cuts to like they're fighting. It's the Civil War. And in this one, um, Captain America says, aren't you Arthur Conan Doyle? And <laughs> Tony Stark is just staring with, uh, you know, indignant rage at Captain America. And then there's a picture of a, a basket of tater tots in front of him. And then it just smash cuts to Civil War. I love this. Uh... Which is, of course, referencing the joke in the Arthur Conan Doyle episode where... Um, <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle is eating tater tots at Buffalo Wild Wings and a fan approaches him and asks him if he's Arthur Conan Doyle and they just get into a fight and destroy the entire Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half. Oh, oh, looks like we got ourselves a full Fellini. I got I to gotta give this one a, a nine. It just it just makes me it's it. it I got to go. Elijah Wood on it because it just makes me laugh. It's really good. It's very, it's same thing with that Mike Miller one. It's very simple, direct, but really nice and solid. Yeah. This isn't an actual meme. Uh, Colin Christensen um, has a meme where it is my head uh, insultingly photoshopped over. Um, I don't even, think, I don't even think this is actually Drew Carey. I think it's the original host of the British, yeah, the, the English host, Colin something. Yeah. Yeah. Of whose line is it anyway? And uh, it's my head photoshopped over his as he's like pressing the buzzer that gives the, uh, that ends a scene or whatever in, in whose line is it anyway. And it says, welcome to Deep Cuts, Pizza, Pizza, Paparizza, Mimaritza, Celebritza, where every account is Andrew in disguise and the points don't matter. Uh, now, wh- while I while I will not 10. rule out the possibility 10. that every account in the Deep Cuts 10. Facebook group is me. 10. Gaslighting Dave. 10. This is, I, this is so, if this one is gaslighting me, I don't care. 10. This, I this is exactly what I'm saying. I'm deeply offended at the insinuation that the points don't matter because they absolutely do. Congratulations, you are now the premium pizza pizza paparizza meme chef. I give I give this misinformation a one. Pizza pizza paparizza is uh, not so sure about that one. Why didn't they cast you to play fucking Mario instead of Chris Pine or Chris, whichever Chris it is, Chris Pratt? Yeah, because they're because they listen to this fucking misinformation that Colin Christensen spreading this bullshit about me. He lost me the Mario job. Uh, this one, this next one's from Jim Valier, and um, it is. <laughs> so it's the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where uh, King Arthur is fighting the Black Knight and he just keeps maiming him and cutting off his limbs and the Black Knight just refuses to to give up. And uh, so it's the it's the limbless stump of the Black Knight on the ground. But it's uh, Adrian Conan Doyle's head uh, photoshopped over it. And then King Arthur is standing up, but they've photoshopped a door onto King Arthur and uh, Arthur, Adrian Conan Doyle is saying it is but a flesh wound. I'm gonna go six. Six? Six for this? Yeah. This is nice. a- Now that's a mildly spicy pizza pizza. 
this is this is a solid contender. This is this is easily this is easily this is at least a seven point five. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can be convinced. Sure, I, I feel I feel ambivalent towards this one. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. That one's cool. It's it's a it's a, it's got the solid reference. The the it all lines up. Man, you've 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 just become jaded by the world. Uh, this is this is another one from Bill Bixby's Oscar. <laughs> what the fuck? Disgraced former champion Bill Bixby's Oscar. <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. This is like this is not this can't even be dis- this is not a meme. This is this is like this is an outsider art. This is amazing. Odyssey that can't even be categorized in any demonstrable way. This is so good. It is. So it is this illustration painting of a, it's like a, a space background and there's a, 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 a man's head that we're seeing from the back and there it's like they're sitting there getting a haircut. So it's like they're facing away from the camera and I think they've got like a haircut smock on, but you can't see that because you really only just see the head and a little, just the very top of the shoulders. And there, somebody is reaching into the frame, into the camera, and it is a, a a a person with their right arm is a human arm, and their left arm no, their right their left arm is a human arm, and their right arm is a robotic arm, and the 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 human arm has a a, a series of tattoos on it and uh one of the tattoos is just a full body photo of ultraman and then one of the photos is that morphed kolchak the night stalker two-faced thing where it's dave and my face mushed together with a with a pork pie hat on and then one of the photos is lorenzo baker a a picture of lorenzo baker's face and then next to him is um is Space Goro and then below them I actually don't even know who that is. There's there's just some old man he looks like a real he looks like a live action version of the guy from Up. Just an old man with those giant square glasses. I don't even know who that is. And so the person who's reaching into the camera with these tattoos on his arm, he is like peeling back the scalp of the man that's sitting like away from that's facing away from the camera. He's like peeled open the the scalp of the man and underneath his scalp where his skull should be. It's just a it's the earth. It's like the we see the 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 globe is inside of his head and then the skin flap of his scalp as the man as the person is lifting it up. It says Verhoeven or I'm assuming it says Verhoeven's toupee, but all we can see is it says Verhoeven. And then the text on this on this image says deep cut salon walk-ins welcome. And this is this is like this is like this. It's not a meme, but it's almost it's not even like made by a human like this reminds me, especially because of like the weird like evolutionary like design of the tattoos on the head where it's like our faces growing out of each other. And then like there's these two faces of these like deep cuts reference characters growing out of each other and then underneath them is some other old man that isn't even really a deep cuts reference i don't even know what it is it reminds me of those like deep dream google like ai generated images where you like feed like an image into it and then it like turns it into a bunch of like faces of dogs and stuff that are all like morphing and like evolving out of each other so it's, you know, the text is deep cut salon, walk-ins welcome. And the only thing I would say to this is that it kind of feels like it should be walk-ins, outs, and nitty gritties 
welcome. So because of that, I'm going to give it a 9.5. Otherwise, I would have given it a 10. Wow. That's the, the, the pun, the penalty. Excuse me. Uh, I'm uh, terribly sorry. I'm a little befuddled, but I think this might be a Hugh Grant. No, it's not. It's a Mickey Rourke. I'm giving this a full 10 because I hate puns. <laughs> Um, let, let's, let's take a brief detour here. Um, we've, we've been blazing through the, uh, the memes, the meme chef entries from the Facebook group. Let's take a brief detour here to look at a couple of memes from the discord channel. Um, so there are four memes here. Um, I think they're actually all from the same person. Um, no, they're not from the same person. So, uh, are there, maybe there's just three. Is there four? What is that? Uh, no, there's four. Um, so the first one is from a Discord user. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> named Logarija, and it's that is this a butterfly meme? The anime guy who's like looking up in the sky at a at a moth, and he says, "Is this a butterfly?" Or whatever, whatever the original meme is. So the anime guy, it says he's Dave, and then he's looking at a floating um, stat like statue, and then um, it says, "Is this Buddhism?" Which which is a reference to when we were doing the episode on Arthur Conan Doyle, whenever we were talking about John John something Bud, John jo- or George George Turnival Bud, George Turnavine Bud, and there was a paper about him, and they were talking about like fans of his, and they were called Buddhists. And I misread it as Buddhists. Yeah, yeah. God damn it! I give that one uh, from La- two. Lag- Lagartija. Two. Two. Just two. Because, just because it points out your flaws. Two. Talk, people call me corrupt. People say I'm corrupt. Two. At least, I, at least I'm honest with myself. Pizza, pizza, or like fails a fails a. This gets a this gets a six from me. Um, this next one um, is from I hate you, Josh, on Discord, and it's that meme that's uh, Wolverine from the X Men animated series where he's like sitting on a laying on a bed looking at a photo and then it cuts to the photo as he's like lovingly touching it and you know they'll put things in the photo that are funny and so in this one my face is uh added onto Wolverine's face and then whenever it turns around to look at the photo that I'm looking at it's a picture of you think I'm going to say no Dave <laughs> I love this and I choose to believe that when we're not talking you're not cradling your children or embracing your wife. You're just sitting on a bed dressed as Wolverine looking at me. I mean, that, it's not even no, other, those other things don't even happen. Congratulations. You are now the premium pizza, pizza, paparizza meme chef. I love this. This is, again, one of those just simple, clean, nice to the point memes. It's great. All right. So this next one, I just have to, I just have to pre, I just have to set it up. I fucking love this meme. It's so amazing. I love it so much. And it's probably going to destroy any of the goodwill that you, that I hate Josh has gained from you from this photo. But that's because you are corrupt and jaded and incapable of self-reflecting whenever people (laughs) point out your flaws. Oh no. 
Oh no. All right. So it is, it's that King of the Hill meme where it's a bunch of people inside of a school. And then I think it, Bobby Hill holds up a sign for them to read. And then Hank Hill, I think it's Hank Hill or maybe it's Dale. I, I don't, I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> But he says, like, it would, they would, you know, if those people, if those kids could read, they'd be very upset. And so there's a lot of messages that people put into this meme. So in this version, Bobby Hill has my face on him and I'm holding up a sign against the window of the school. And I'm saying Chiquita bananas are basically the only kind of banana there is. And the company has committed genocide and other atrocities. And then it turns around to show that the kids inside of the classroom it's a bunch of Daves. It's all just, they have the, th- you think I'm going to say no Dave face on them. And then on the chalkboard in the classroom, it says, not a school. This is Arizona. <laughs> the adult, which I think might be Hank, or maybe it's the other character. He's got Hilsmer's face on him. And he says, if those Daves could read, they'd be very upset. I love this. Uh <laughs> Despite your prediction that I would hate this, uh, I love this. Uh, I'm gonna go. I I'm gonna go nine. Plummy, you fools! To the Elijah Wood. I think I would like it just a little bit more if they weren't all just that you think I'm going to say no face in the window. If there were different me's, I think it, the joke would hit even. Eh, maybe it wouldn't, actually. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I should give this higher, but I'm giving it a nine. This one get, this gets a 10 for me. I love this one. It's so great. Yeah, it's it's really solid. It's really solid. Um, and the last Discord meme is from somebody with this uh, username, Clo, and it is... Uh, just a photo of of Andrew WK from uh, a promotional photo for Destroy Build Destroy, which was a show he had on Cartoon Network, and he's holding up. Uh, he's standing on a rock, and then he's got a, a a TNT detonation plunger on the rock, and he's about to push it down, and the rock has us on it. Uh, this is solid. I'm gonna go six. Six. Now that's a mildly spicy pizza pizza. I'm giving it a 5.5. Back to the uh, Facebook group memes. Um, God dang, get the fuck out of the way. Uh, this next one is... No, that's too, too inside baseball. Um, this next one's from Eric Diring. And it is a photo of a man who has a, uh, a graduated series of of rectangular shapes that are stacked up like dominoes except for they are each one is bigger than the other one so it starts out from a little tiny little white triangle or uh, rectangle and then it gets bigger and bigger and then the very final one is this big giant white rectangle and if you push one down it'll knock the rest of them over like dominoes though the the tiniest one the one that he's about to knock over to start the chain reaction it says becoming a ship surgeon in the 1880s and then the f- the biggest one at the very end is Buffalo Wild Wings stop selling tater tots, implying that one would lead to the other. I love this. Eight. Eight. Fellini Jr. Oh, look, it's a Fellini Jr. I'm going to have to agree. That's a Fellini Jr. for me as well. 
uh, Josh Wall with more propaganda. This isn't, this isn't a meme. This is this is agitprop. It's a picture of a guy. The first panel is him just kind of looking in the camera and then it closes up on his face more. And then the final shot is just up on his eyes and they're red. And it says everyone after Andrew names himself champion again. I didn't name myself champion. I was crowned champion through my feet of enormous power. Mm, I agree wholeheartedly with this message, but it's not all that funny. So I'm going to go Bloss Special. Well, I mean, that's a pretty high score if you think it's not that funny. Orders up! Who had the Bloss Special? Which is which just shows how corrupt you are, and how <laughs> and how tainted against me you are that you would give it such a high score because it satisfies your own emotional truth to believe this misinformation about me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much. This next one's from Cody Voyles. God fucking damn it! And it is a stock photo, a stock photo of a guy sleeping peacefully, and it says, "How I sleep at night, knowing the world is falling apart, but I made Dave Baker laugh at a Bob Barker cum meme." Fucking one. Pizza, pizza, paparizza is uh, not so sure about that one. It's a sweet sentiment. It's a sweet sentiment. But anytime anybody brings up the Bob Barker come runner, I'm just like, God damn it. Really? Six. Another one from Cody Voyles. It's the uh, Gru from Despicable Me going over a plan on a series of uh, paper uh, poster board meme. Uh, Lorenzo Baker's face is over Gru's face. So the first one says, create time travel. The second one says, go back in time to start a banana company. The third one says, forget you made an episode of Deep Cuts based on the genocide and recognize yourself. And then in the fourth panel, Lorenzo Baker's face has been replaced by the, you think I'm going to say no, Dave face. And he says, forget you, and it repeats, forget you made an episode of Deep Cuts based on the genocide and recognize yourself, implying that uh, we went back in time, did did a Chiquita, forgot, and then we discovered the Chiquita banana story, did an episode about it, having forgotten that we had done this and that we were Andrew P. and Lorenzo Baker. And then Dave recognizes himself in the past. Yeah, this one's solid. Uh, Bloss special. Man, Adam Salzer says it's amazing. Orders up. Who had the Bloss? Special. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. <laughs> Another one from Cody Voyles. It's the meme of like a little girl running away from an orangutan on a tricycle, and uh, regular deep cuts Dave face is over the little girl, and then you think I'm gonna say no? Dave face is over the orangutan's head, and it says Davy Bakes trying to escape an inside joke that he never thought would be seen again. Ten. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if he's talking about the you think I'm going to say no fa- uh, meme or the Bob Barker come meme. No, he's definitely talking about the the you think I'm going to say no because I talked about that on on that episode because I was like I, it's so funny and also weird and kind of annoying to me that like one of the worst photos of me ever is now just like a horrible meme that tons of people use. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten because this is just this is really. You are now the premium pizza, pizza, paparizza meme chef. Also, as I point out here in the comments of this meme, you doubt that I could be the champion in a 
fair and clean election. But I'm the one who created the you think I'm going to say no meme. I am become death, destroyer of Davies. Eric Diring. It's a fucking deus ex machina bullshit it's the background from the game it's got the sherlock holmes 2022 characters in front of it watson's holding a trombone because ska and then it says deep cuts yada 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 i mean i i want to give it a higher rating because i love sherlock holmes in the 22nd century but i hate everything else about this can i give it a three better luck next time the rating i want to give it isn't even on the soundboard more <laughs> propaganda and lies oh god oh god oh god this one is from ed zachary it is my winning masterpiece the deep cuts mural i created that has every character ever featured in the show in it and then over it is my face photoshopped onto xerxes from 300 implying that i'm some kind of oppressive overlord who needs to be dethroned by a ragtag crew of 300 warriors i mean this is on it's on point ed zachary is not wrong this is this is this is madness. This is treason. This is this is uh, this is a call to war. I told you I'm retired. I've gone up into the into Mount Olympus and I've 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 dropped my my chef's apron never to be never to be caked in flour again. And yet you tempt me, you taunt me, you challenge me to to don the apron once again. Uh, I'm going to go seven and a half. Seven and a half almost makes Pizza Pizza Paparizza laugh. I give this a calling the cops out of 10. One's from Aaron Dockery. It's a it's a picture of a scene from Endgame where it's all the heroes fucking in the final battle at the end and they're all crowded together and they're in the giant field and they're about to just go to war with the Thanos' men. And then it says Andrew's outro, referring to the outro in the Pizza Pizza Paparizza Memories Celebrizza special episode one. And then the second one is the same shot, but it's the one, it's the raw footage uh, without any of the visual effects where... It's all on green screen and the character who is writing on a Pegasus is actually just sitting on a big machine that's being like shake, uh, uh, moved back and forth by dudes in green skin tight suits. And it says Dave's outro. This is really funny to me. Um, eight. Eight. Oh, look, it's a Fellini Jr. It's also just true. Like your outro was so, you know, like a something that Fellini would have given or uh, not Fellini, Mussolini or some sort of like dictator who was being carted off, you know, this this rousing, weird bullshit propaganda speech. And then mine was just like it got interrupted in the middle and it, like the, the music didn't play as well because it was the third time we'd all heard it. Like it was, it was just a clusterfuck. Wait a minute. So I. I get a Mussolini Jr. for that one. Yeah, you definitely get a Mussolini Jr., yeah. This one's also from Aaron Dockery. Uh, it's those Pawn Star guys or or whatever show it is. Um, 
This is horrible. Look at uh, those. And it's this it's he's horrific. using that he's using that same uncanny valley horrifying photo of me where he like face apped a smile onto my neutral face expression. So it's just like this terrifying smile that's not really mine. It's generated by AI and it's just it's just pure nightmare fuel. So it's my face like that put onto one of the guys and then your your face put on the other guy and it says uh best I can do is I win. Im- Im- implying that somehow I cheated people out of out of uh out of the the PPPMC by declaring myself the winner. Even though in the canon of this show, the guys who are appraising the objects are the ones who know the true value of things. And when they say best I can do is X, that's because they know what it's really worth. They're not scamming them or ripping them off. They're telling them the true value of the things that they have. And the people just don't like to hear it because they they want to believe that what they own is worth more. Uh, Seven. Orders up! Who had the blah, blah, blah special? I give it a 9.5 because I- inadvertently it speaks the truth. Uh, this one's a little too inside baseball. Daniel McCrory has done uh, the, the, the movie poster for Raising Arizona with Nick Cage in a mug shot and he's carrying a baby. But he has, it says Nicolas Cage and it's just, the, at the top one has the name of the stars. This is Nicolas Cage. And then baby Dave Baker and the little baby has Dave's face photoshopped on and it says raised in Arizona. No school for this baby. 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a 10. Congratulations. You are now the premium pizza, pizza, paparizza meme chef. I also have to highlight this exchange here. So I commented on this. I've often considered Dave my third child, to which you said, I don't know if I should say fuck you or thank you, honestly. And I said, just say dada. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) Yeah, that's solid. This This one's from Cody Voiles, and it is a picture of somebody sitting at a piano on a beach playing it, and the piano is on fire and flames are erupting from it. And the the person playing the piano says, this shall be my magnum opus. And then it says, Papa Pricey writing an entire album just for a podcast episode. And I posted a gif of Michael Scott from The Office getting choked up and holding back tears because it was a lot of work. I wrote an entire, entire album and recorded it all in the span of a month. I pulled several all-nighters. At one point I was up for, I was up, I, I woke up at, I woke up at 7 a.m. I was up the entire day. I, I stayed up the entire night. I stayed up the entire rest of the day. And then I stayed up again until 3 a.m. and finally went to sleep. I recorded this whole album, Sleepless Nights. I literally wore giant holes in my fingers. I had open wounds on my fingertips and I still had to play. I recorded that entire guitar solo for, uh, art and values with just massive open wounds on my fingertips and to see somebody finally acknowledging it in meme form is it brings a tear to my eye mm, seven hate you <laughs> orders up who had the blah, 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 blah special <laughs> I'm sure 
that big impassioned speech and all that crying and yeah. seven. <laughs> just, just, just for that, the Bloss special has been officially retitled Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> Jim Valliere's got one here where it's Scarface, Tony Montana, sitting at his desk, covered in piles of cocaine. And my face has been... Oh, <laughs> I didn't even notice this the first time I saw this. This is actually really funny. I, I didn't I didn't notice the... I, I, I didn't notice what he had done here. So there's a picture of me that's just on my Facebook page. Um, That was... It was just a picture that my wife and I had taken um in a in a hotel uh bathroom mirror where there was just like I think it was just like I think it was cake that was like on our noses uh, so it's just like there's just like cake frosting on my nose and so he took this picture of me and he put it onto Tony Montana's face so it's like it looks like I have cocaine all over my face like he does in the movie and it says in this country you got to make the memes first then when you get the memes you get the power then when you get the power you get the pizza pizza paparizza memeritza celebrates a glory Hooah! solid is solid eight Did you forget for a second that you had to give it a score? Yes. Oh, look, it's a... Fellini Jr. I think I'm going to give it a Fellini Jr. as well. This next next one's from from Aaron Dockery. God damn it. It is the cover photo for our Facebook group and just our show. It's 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 the two of us um, standing, uh, you know, with our in our in our uh, mystery treehouse investigation agency uniforms, where you have your flashlight and I have the the, the magnifying glass. Except for our heads have been replaced by beef and cheddars from Arby's, and we're holding Arby sauce packets and the show is called meat cuts every single day wherever you get your meats and there's an arby sign in the background 10 yeah you can't even you can't even do your little troll thing where you pretend like you hate it and pretend like you hate arby's because it's it's that good congratulations you are now the premium pizza pizza paparizza meme chef I can I can see Aaron Dockery improving from a from a from a technical perspective. I mean, he's always been a strong a strong uh, meme chef, but creating memes and uh, you know the technical aspects of graphic design are two different things. And I you know we can see the the usage of the shadow behind Dave's beef and cheddar head to give separation from mine and create depth. And the way that he's actually you know, cut out and uh, photoshopped the, the Arby's packet into our hands where it looks like we're grasping them. Ten. Uh, another another one from Aaron Dockery. Uh, this one's got some added context in a story. So there's a picture of Andrew WK playing with some uh, some some Gundam models, some Gunpla, and uh, he's holding them up and he's looking at them and he's surrounded by boxes of Gunpla. And this was a promotional photo for an album of Gundam music that he had done several years ago. And Aaron Dockery has replaced the uh, upper torso and head and arms of the two Gunpla that he's holding with Dave and I. So it looks like he's playing with little Dave and Andrew action figures. And then on the desk, the uh, where it ha- was the CD that was the Gundam music CD that he was doing this promo photo for, he's replaced it with uh, the label Deep Cuts Treehouse Mysteries Episode 2. 
And uh, the added there's added context that I posted this on Twitter and tagged Andrew WK because I had a pre- I had a fairly good feeling that Andrew WK would retweet this because um, he retweets any pictures or uh, of him where it's like uh, p- pictures that people have taken with him or p- pictures of him that people have photoshopped where it's like putting him into funny situations or whatever, or he retweets any positive mes- message about himself. So I had like an 80% certainty that if I posted this on Twitter and tagged him that he would retweet it, not even realizing that I was the same person from the podcast that he retweeted and called bullshit. Um, he just wouldn't even realize the connection and he would definitely retweet this. I was like 80% sure he would because it's funny and it's good and it's interesting. And I just was like, if he sees this in his mentions, he will retweet it for sure. So I posted this. Um, Deep Cuts listener Kilthulu, who is also a dis- Discord member and a Discord mod for the Deep Cuts Discord server, um, he commented on this post on Twitter and said something to the effect of like, yeah, and the album, the new album is awesome. It, Andrew WK just put out a new album. Andrew WK retweeted Kilthulu's comment saying that the album was awesome, but not the photo. He didn't retweet the photo. He retweeted the comment on our photo from a listener. And Kilthulu printed and framed and hung the tweet, the retweet. Seven. I was, I was hoping it was going to be like four or something. Orders up. Who had the blah, 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 blah special? I really like this one. I'm, 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 give, I'm giving this one a nine. Um, this one's not really a meme. This one's also not really a meme. Or it's, it's too inside baseball. So Nick Smith has a meme where uh, they're insinuating that we are a better version of Rhett and Link. So there's a picture of Rhett and Link from their show Good Mythical Morning. And then somebody presses a button on a keyboard that says upgrade. And then it cuts to us. And then the button says perfect. And um, I don't know whether we are a better version of Rhett and Link. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like Rhett and Link do a completely different thing than us. And it's not necessarily comparable. It's sort of apples to oranges. But also they are content creation industry veterans. And they've been doing this for like 15 years. So I wouldn't pretend to be better at than them at making content. Um, but I will say that the uh, the physical comparison has definitely entered my mind before on several occasions that we happen to look very similar to them in relation to one another. Eight. Oh, look, it's a... Fellini Junior. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll give it an eight and a half just, just for the flattery of the insinuation. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Nick. Um, this one's from Jim Valliere. <laughs> it's, uh, some, what is this? What is this from? I feel like I'm just like not, it's, it's so photoshopped that I'm just like, not yeah, even it's so photoshopped. Rec- I can't tell either, but that, that turtleneck looks really familiar. There's a person in a turtleneck. I'm sure if I saw the full picture of this, I'd recognize what it was, but it's so thoroughly photoshopped that I'm just not, I've lost sight of what the original screenshots are from, but it's somebody who is saying more. And then my, you can see their lower half of their face and they're wearing a turtleneck. And then my eyes have been photoshopped onto them. And I'm saying more. And it's showing me with that creepy Aaron Dockery AI smile with a, with a, with a, a crown on my head. I almost said king hat. <laughs> king hat. 
fucking hat. And then in the second frame, I'm screaming and I'm saying more. And then it's a bunch of my faces with a bunch of king hats. Yeah, you look you look good in you look good in king hats, but I don't know. I don't know that I look good in them because it's my natural fucking essence. God damn it. I knew I shouldn't have said that. You do look good in them, though. As far as people wearing king hats, you're like up there. Seven. So you're just you're just saying seven. Orders up. Who had the blah, 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 blah special? You're you're vindicating the untrue propaganda that the points the the scores don't matter. No, the points definitely matter. They definitely matter. One hundred percent, they matter. All right. So so this next one, um, this is this next one's from a new listener. Um, they 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 just joined the Facebook group. Um, this this is their first attempt at a at a me at cooking up a meme in the kitchen. Um, this new listener, their name is Spandrew Spice. And uh, they actually have a, 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 a sweet little message attached here. So uh, Spandrew Spice joined the group and they, they posted this and they say, Hey, everybody, first time meme chef here. I've been listening to the show for a long time, but I finally decided to join the group and give it a shot. Hope you like my first attempt at submitting memes to the Pizza Pizza Paparitza Memeritza Celebritza. That that's that's a that's a that's a sweet little message. And uh, Andrew, <laughs> on, on, is- on on from from both Dave and I. Welcome. Welcome to the team. Welcome to welcome to the meme chef team. Spandrew. Read read the meme. And then I have some questions. Okay, so this meme, which I, I already I can already tell is is very good. Um, <laughs> I can already tell is very good. <laughs> I can already tell it is. It's it's basically it's like it's a uh, it's an evolution of that meme where it's Winnie the Pooh getting progressively more fancy, but it's been completely replaced. The 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 template has been rebooted, and it's. Three, you think I'm going to say no, Daves. The first one is just a regular thing. You think I'm going to say no, Dave. It's a picture of that. And then it says, you think I'm going to say no? And then in the second frame, it's the you think I'm going to say no, Dave picture. But the sort of smarmy look of the Leonardo DiCaprio character from Django Unchained in a shot where he's like has this really smarmy look on his face has been put onto Dave's face. Um, in a very good uh, Photoshop job that is like genuinely convincing. Um, and it says, and it says, do you think I'm going to reject you, good man? And then in the final one, it's that same picture of the very convincing uh, Photoshop face of Dave with the Leonardo DiCaprio smarmy look on him. But he's also has a monocle and a big uh, handlebar mustache and a top hat. And he's saying, Perchance might you be laboring under the unique misconception that I would rebuff your insinuations? I mean, I do. I really need. I need. Need I say that this is this is amazing. This is this this is a full ten. This is this is good. I would probably go lower than that. I'd probably Full, go like an eight, I mean, maybe. No, but it's let like me, eleven. There's a, I'm going to add an eleven to the. I, no, it's probably it's probably a little lower than that. But let me just. Can you just click on the default photo for Spandrew Spice really quick? That seems a little invasive. Andrew, why, why are we Andrew, singling out this person? Andrew, we never do this for any other. Andrew, listener. this person supposedly lives in New York, New York, and yet. Look at that photo, Andrew. <laughs> Look at that photo, Spandrew. Andrew, their header is the M- Mandala effect. 
Andrew, yeah, look I mean, at that I, photo. Look at I that photo. It. That is, I, I that is it, the former, that is the office that you and I used to work together in, and that's a photo of you with an eye patch on. First of all, I've never lived in New York, New York. That's not it. It's his bullshit. You made this. That's a photo of you that used to be your default photo on Slack at our old job, dude. Not, not that I, not that I have to, not that I even have to dignify these frankly bizarre accusations with a response but i've never lived in new york new york it says it says that spandrew spice went to east high school i went to west high school it's literally the opposite direction this person seemingly is so much of a fan of the mandela effect that they have it as their cover photo just just the word the mandela effect with a picture of uh, like a drawing of mandela like out of and in of and in prison um, the, the you're talking about this picture. This is a photo. Number one, the it's a it's a picture of a it's a, it's a picture of a window. That's a f- I know that window. I used to work next to that window. That's a window from when you had your desk before you moved to the other side of the room when you were in Chris Fuentes's old office spot. I I I Rich Rich sat there after Chris Chris Fuentes. I can go three generations deep of who sat in that chair. This I know a, that window. It's a it's a picture of a window. This is like the most generic thing. Like this could be any window in in the world. And as we know, it's it's in New York, New York. He's not unless in New York. unless unless it's he commutes Wilshire. to New Jersey or something. It's on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, California, and that is a photo of you. From this like person, three years ago with an eye patch photoshopped on your face. This person has an eye patch, which I, I do not, I, I have no need, I have no use for an eye patch. I've never had any kind of eye injury. I've never had a lazy eye. Uh, my stepdad did have a lazy eye years ago and he had to wear an eye patch to correct it, but we're not blood related. So that's not hereditary in any way. And yeah, I mean, the, I don't, I just don't wear an eye patch. I, I hate, as I've said before, I hate the Mandela effect. I went to West High School and, and you know. All right. Let, let's moving on. This is bullshit. That's you. You're, this is a this is a dummy account that you've made, but I don't care. Let's just finish this. Is re- this. this is ridiculous. We just have two left. Come on. Let's just fucking finish this. You are. You were just. You've gone off the deep end. You have like. You are so insistent on trying to um strip deserving winners of their eight. championships eight. that you have eight. that you've you're concocting literal conspiracy theories it's a fucking eight spandrew spice is you but i don't care i just want this to be over it's an eight we are knuckle deep in QAnon month and you have become radicalized we are into not we are not theory. we are not in QAnon month yet that starts next episode this is the bob kane episode i mean even even better i mean you you have been you have become so you have become so radicalized by those terrible bill fingers daughter paintings <laughs> it's not bill fingers daughter it's his granddaughter athena finger <laughs> oh that makes it worse i thought i was like at least she's a little older maybe maybe she's got some arthritis or something but no she's she's like fucking 40 or some shit i i I, i'm at a loss for words on this one dave Uh, we're just gonna move on because i just i find this so bizarre that you're saying this but it's a 10 10 for me 
Spandrew. It's an eight for me, Spandrew, totally real person. Um, uh, and then so this last two, last two, uh, this one's from from uh, uh, from Jay Bard. Jay Bartlesby. Jay Bartles and James. And it's that meme where there's two people in a car and the guy's driving and he asks if the person, uh, the, the woman wants to listen to something and she says she doesn't like it. And then the next panel, he's driving by himself and she's been kicked out of the car and she's in the background looking angry. So the guy says, want to listen to the new Deep Cuts episode? And then she says, I don't like Deep Cuts. And then it cuts to him driving with her outside mad as he drives away. And it says, I'm Andrew Price and I'm Dave Baker on this episode of Deep Cuts, which great meme. Love it. You you mixed up the order of when we say our names, though. I, uh, I'm i Dave Baker and I love this meme and uh, I'm going to show some favoritism. I'm going to give it a 10. Thank you. Give this a 10, but Fa- that thank masterpiece. You. Thank you. Thank you for helping us set up the Discord server, Jay Bard. I mean, yes, Jay Bard is a is a, uh, a a detective level clearance and the architect of the Deep Cuts Discord server. But you're going to give this one a 10 and that that wonderful priceless masterpiece an 8. You've lost it. You've just you've lost your mind. You are now the premium pizza, pizza, paparizza meme chef. I'm going I'm to give it a 9.5 because, I mean, it's a very good meme, but I just it, it just logically it could, can't have the same score as the the previous meme from Spandrew because that, that would just wouldn't make sense. Uh, and this this final one is from Ed Zachary, and um, it is. Uh, it's it's a little it's a little hard to explain because it's kind of all over the place, uh, but not in a bad way. It is very funny. I'm just having trouble figuring out how to like describe it. But there's a panel and it is a picture. I I, I can't I can never remember this guy's name. Um, his name just does not stick in my head. Um, but it's the guy from episode two of Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who was the Sherlock Holmes. Uh, scholar who kills himself um and and elaborately stages it like it's a uh, Sherlock Holmes murder mystery. I feel like Andrew might be in his name somewhere, but I just can't remember his name. So it's him and he's standing next to a babe in a one-piece bikini in like a like a pool or a hot tub or something like that and she's just like watch like l- looking at a TV that's outside of the hot tub and she's pointing a remote control at it. Um and then next to that is a picture of Mothman. And then the camera zooms in a little bit more on the Sherlock Holmes guy. And then he's still staring at Mothman. And then it gets even closer to him. And he says, well, you're going to say it? And then Mothman doesn't say anything. And then uh, and then the final panel, Mothman says, nah. And then it cuts to the other one. And then next to the woman who is looking at the TV, it shows that she's watching the friend zone, which is in the Twilight Zone font. But it's the friend zone. So this is the coalescence of two different inside jokes. So in the Arthur Conan Doyle part two episode, we talked heavily about how this guy looks like he was born in the friend zone. We talked about the friend zone a lot. We joked around about it a lot and just him being in the friend zone and and generally just being in the friend zone. So he's in this room with this attractive woman and he's wanting Mothman to say, we gonna fuck. But Mothman won't say it because they ain't gonna fuck because that guy is in the friend zone. Uh, eight. Eight? I thought I thought it was pretty good. I like I like the way it brought the two. 
Oh, look, it's a... Uh, Fellini Jr. I give this one a nine. All right, so now who's going to take the prize of the Pizza Pizza Paparita Mimarita Celebrita Winnerita? I, I, I think... It's got to be. It, it's got to be. I sort of have two kind of in my mind. It's really like, for me, it's a toss-up between Aaron Dockery's uh, meat cuts, but I kind of feel like... I've, I feel like I'm leaning more towards the the fancy, you think I'm going to say no meme? From, from Spandrew Spice. Okay, you know, ne- never mind. You know what? Never mind. We're not even going to get into this. I feel some weird hostility from you. I don't even want to get into this. And we'll just, I'll just say, fuck it. You know, I'm sorry, Spandrew. I think you were the clear winner, but that was an amazing meme. But like, I've just, this weird vibes I'm getting from Dave right now. I just don't want to deal with it right now. So I think we're probably that aside, if we if we if we if we put that handicap on this and say we cannot consider Spandrew's meme that's out of the equation for whatever weird thing you've got going on, whatever your weird hangups are. If we're just looking at the other memes, I think it's clear that Meat Cuts by Aaron Dockery is the is the champion. Meat Cuts is who I'm going for. Well, you heard you heard it here on this edition of the Pizza Pizza Paparita Mimarita Celebrita. Aaron Dockery is this week's Meme Chef Champion. Congratulations, you are now the premium Pizza Pizza Paparita Meme Chef. And this has been another Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.